It is so good to be gathered together this morning to be joining in our voices, lifting up and considering the glory of the Lord and considering the love of the Father shed, um, shared with us. And we get to continue to do that as we look at John 17 this morning, considering the, the glory of God and the love of the Father. Have you ever had one of those moments where um, you might be struggling with something or or maybe something's going really well and someone comes alongside and they pray for you? And as they are praying for you, as you are listening to their prayer, you feel so deeply understood and cared for. And I imagine that's what's going on with the disciples here at the end of the Last Supper meal when, um, when Jesus prays for them. We'll look at that here in John 17, and we'll read through that in just a moment. But Jesus is praying for his disciples. He prays, there's kind of three sections of the prayer, this section where he's praying uh, for himself and then for the disciples in the room and then for all believers after that, for us. And we're going to walk through each of those sections, and and I'll make a few comments about each of those sections. And then, actually, after each section, after I make a few comments, we're going to give just some quiet space for you to read back through that particular section on your own, and for you to to consider some reflection points that that have been um, that will be on the screens and are on a handout that you should have received when you came in, and then just give you some space to talk to the Lord. So we'll do that for a minute or two after each of these sections of the prayer that we'll look at. If you didn't get one of those handouts, you're welcome to go to the back and grab one, or there's ushers able to pass them out for you. But first, let's look at the first section, verses 1 through 5 of John 17. This is what Jesus prays. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Father, I thank you for these words, for your holy inspired word that we can learn from and meditate on this morning and each day. Speak through these words in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. So Jesus is praying, glorify your son, Father, so that your son can glorify you. To to glorify is to share the unveiled, to share the unveiled presence of God. So, So Jesus is wanting to share again in the unveiled presence of the Father. He, it, it's to, to clothe in splendor. So the splendor of the, the, the splendor of God that only exists in the full-on presence of God the Father. Jesus is longing to be clothed in this splendor, to be in the unveiled presence of God. He's longing for this glory. Now, the, the, the scripture 
depicts this glory in a couple different uh, texts. There's one in Exodus where we read about the glory of God the, um, making his presence known on Mount Sinai. And it's described in terms of there is uh, thunder and lightning and smoke and fire. And that is representing the glory of God. And the people are terrified. Later in Revelations 4, God is revealing to John this, this window into the throne room where Jesus sits on the throne and there are living creatures around him and others around him. And as they experience his glory, the fullness of his glory, they, in a reflex, involuntary response, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. They cry that out day and night. They never stop saying that, that is the response, the reflex response to seeing the full glory of God. It's eternal praise. This glory is the presence of God that Jesus had known forever before his incarnation. And the presence that he no doubt longed to rejoin. The presence that he would invite us into that he would make available to us through his life and death and resurrection. So he, he prays, he, he acknowledges that the hour has now come for him to walk into the suffering of the cross, the separation from God the Father, and then to walk through to the other side into glory, being clothed in splendor in the full presence of God. That's the glory that he's longing for. And that's the glory that he's worked and suffered to draw us into. That glory is eternal life. It's knowing the only true God. Imagine with me for a moment as you think about that. Imagine the glory that one experiences in the full presence of God the Father. Imagine Jesus stepping away from that glory and into suffering beyond our comprehension in order to make that glory available to us. I want to spend just a moment or two to give you some quiet space to read back through those five verses on your own. Consider the reflection points that are on the screen and just take a minute to pray, to talk to the Lord about this, and then we'll continue in the prayer.
Jesus, I thank you for this incredible work that you've done for us, that you would be willing to step away from the glory of the Father, to come to earth, to make it possible, to work, to make available to us the experience of that glory with God the Father. Jesus, I praise you for your work. In your name I pray, amen. Let's look at the second section of this prayer. We'll start with verses 6 through 10. Jesus prays, I have revealed you, God, to those whom you gave me. Out of the world, they were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. So the point I want to highlight here is God revealed. Jesus revealed the Father to his disciples, and his disciples believed that the Father had sent him. Jesus expresses that his disciples' faith, through their faith, they bring God glory. Their faith proclaims the goodness and the power of the one true God. So God is revealed through their faith in in a similar way that God is revealed through the life and ministry of Jesus. We'll keep reading in verses 11 and 12. Jesus prays, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. So we read here that unity is needed. Jesus prays for their protection, revealing his affection for them and his commitment to them. And the protection at the front of his mind is the protection of their unity. Because he knows that their unity is of utmost importance for their, one, their connection to Jesus, and two, for the power of the message that they proclaim. So he prays for their unity. Following Jesus has never been an individual pursuit. It was never intended to be an individual pursuit pursuit. We are in this pursuit with one another. We need others. I know from my own growth in Christ that that I would not grow in Christ the way I am uh, if not for the love and accountability of Amanda, if not for the blessing of Ashley and Ryan and Josiah, if not for the encouragement from so many of you if not for the lived-out example that I see in so many of you, examples of commitment to prayer, examples of trusting God in the midst of difficult times, 
Examples of bold evangelism and creative love of neighbor, of sacrificial service, of generous giving, of hospitality. The list goes on. I grow more in Christ because of you all. And you know, do you know what is the greatest threat to my growth in Christ? It's when my relationship with my wife, with my kids, or with you is fractured. When there's disunity in those relationships. When one of those relationships is fractured, what grows? It's bitterness, pride, anger, hurt, selfishness. All footholds that the evil one uses to draw me away from pursuing Jesus the way I should. That's why Jesus prays for the unity of the disciples. Unity is needed. The next point I want to highlight is in verses 13, 14, and 17. And I'll read those to you. Jesus prays, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. So they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. So Jesus prays for their joy. He expects their joy, a joy born of and sustained by a knowledge of God, not from shifting waves of circumstances. So this joy is grounded in the truth of the words of Jesus that he's spoken to his disciples. Then we read in verses 18 and 19. He prays this, as you sent, Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself and that they may truly be sanctified. So the disciples are sent. Jesus acknowledges that that they are not of this world. They have been set apart. They have been sanctified. They have been set apart as good news proclaimers, as Jesus love sharers. They are set apart for this honorable work that in the same way that Jesus has was set apart in this honorable work, this mission of incarnation, a mission that would bring eternal life for all those who place faith in him. It involves suffering. And being looked down upon by others in the world. But it is fueled by the love of God. And it ends in eternal glory. Imagine. Imagine what it was like to be a disciple walking with Jesus in all of these years. And receiving these challenges and encouragement and empowerment from him. I want to take just another moment again as you think about God revealed and unity needed and joy expected and disciples sent. Read read through this section again in just some quiet space and talk to the Lord about it.
Father, I praise you for the way that you empowered these disciples. You worked in them. Father, you did protect them and give them a unity that that helped spread this good news to the ends of the known world at that time. Father, I praise you for the work that you did through them. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. The last section of Jesus' prayers in verses 20 through 26. And he prays this, My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one. That's us. One, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent them. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that glory may be one, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know me, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. In order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. So Jesus is praying for unity and love and he's committing, he's promising his presence. He prays for us over 2,000 years ago. He's praying for us. He prayed that we would be one. Not just that, that we would be able to tolerate each other, but that we, we in this room, that we would be one in the same way that the Trinity is one, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. That, that's an incredible prayer challenge thing to aspire to, that, that we would be one as the Trinity is one. And then here's the thing that just puts it up a whole new notch. It's not just we are one as the Trinity is one, but, but we are one and, and it's God with us and us in God. So it's us as one with the Trinity. That's an incredible and beautiful thing. That is a oneness that the, if you think about the very best of, of uh, the marriage relationship or the very best unity in a um, kindred hearts friendship, that gives us a taste of this kind of unity. Jesus prays for this unity with us, for us, one with another and with him. The Trinity exemplifies perfect love and unity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect love, perfect, perfect community amongst Trinity. And then God gives us marriage as an earthly picture of the church, the body of Christ, sharing in the loving community of Trinity. So we, the church, not I individually, but we, the church, are united as one to become the bride of Christ, united in loving, eternal relationship with 
Trinity. I pray that this reality would expose the danger and the darkness in our disunity and the power and the purity of the commonality of our one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Oh, that we could pursue and protect this kind of unity. Additionally, Jesus longs for us, us to experience the love of the Father, the very love that he, the Son, experiences from God the Father, a love that propelled him to do something like incarnation and death and resurrection for the proclamation of the gospel to share with all of us so that we could share in the glory of the full-on presence of the Father. He wants us to know and experience the love of the Father. He longs for us to be with Him and experience glory, the full-on glory of God. And He ends by reminding us that He has made known the Father's love through His words. And therefore, has, He's made the Father known through His words. And therefore, has made the Father's love known through His words. And He promises His presence with us. So I'm going to take just one more time to give you some quiet space to read through this last section of the prayer on your own and to talk to the Lord about it. I want to read for you this quote from D.A. Carson, a theologian. He says that Christians have been caught up into the love of the Father for the Son, secure and content and fulfilled because loved by the Almighty himself with the very same love that he reserves for his Son. We'll respond to that love in a moment as the praise and worship team will come up and, and lead us. Father, I pray that we would bask in that love and be motivated to live and die for that love, for that glory that you have held out for us and that you empower us to live for, to live towards. May we live for your glory this week. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.